0: And welcome to the Bleacher Connection with your host, Ken and Trevor, part of the Unhinged Sports Network and proud partners of Fubo TV and Lids. As always, you can find us on Twitter. Trevor is at the BleacherCon1, and I am at the BleacherCon2 in our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast.
1: On this week's episode, Ken and I are going to finish up our goat talk from last week that we didn't feel like we got through enough of the material we wanted to. So we're going to continue on with that again this week. We're also going to have our weekly segments, That's Offside and Are You Kidding Me? And to finish off today's show, we're going to take a look at a couple of juggernauts in the NL West, the Dodgers and the Padres. Ken, the question's going to be, who you got? We'll get to that when we get to that topic at the end of the show. But before we get going here, we want to have a bit of a a chat about our local hockey heroes. As of right now, both Ken and I, are the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames, are, let's just say, stumbling out of the gate. And uh, we've noticed some similarities in some storylines within our team.
0: Ken, what's one of the first storylines that you want to quickly discuss? Well, first, I want to say you were a little nicer with stumbling out of the gate because I think the Canucks tripped about three times before they got to the uh, starter blocks. But that uh, that being said, I think the one thing, you know, watch the uh, Canucks take on – the Toronto Maple Leafs this past Saturday and JT Miller and Holtby had a little bit of an exchange on the ice. And I, uh, I, I'm team Holtby on this one. He rightfully so had a right to be annoyed with JT Miller and his uh, effort level, we shall say. So to give people that uh, didn't see the, the game, what happened, Holtby cleared the puck up the boards off the glass as many goaltenders do. It was the right play went off the glass and came down, right to a Austin Matthews, who was streaking in. JT Miller was checking him and gave a token stick wave and then stopped skating as Matthews walked in untouched and put one past Braden Holpe. Braden Holpe is a pretty calm, cool, collected guy from everything I've seen. And what Elliot Friedman said after, post-game about it is he never throws anyone under the bus. He always talks about how his game, the group in front of him, but he was upset and you could see the look on his face on the ice during the game. After the goal, he just stared at the bench. And then the next time Miller was out on the ice, he had words with them. And based on Miller's play lately, they're needed, I think because the effort level for whatever reason, not just with JT Miller, but with some of the other Canucks, it's not there right now. And the goaltenders, I believe both Demko as well are very frustrated with the team in front of them right now. So I'm, I'm team Holtby on this one.
1: You mentioned uh, that JT Miller was checking Austin Matthews. Uh, what I saw had uh, no checking involved. I, I JT, Miller, JT Miller was coasting behind Austin Matthews. And in your own zone, that's uh, not where you're supposed to be. It ultimately led to a breakaway and a goal. I'm absolutely on team Holtby on this one as well. JT Miller has been an absolute train wreck for the Vancouver Canucks this season which is disappointing because last season he had a breakout year. He got, you know, he got an opportunity to play top six minutes, which he was sort of getting in Tampa Bay, but he really broke through and it looked like the Canucks had found a a superstar in a trade that uh, Benning was highly criticized for at the time. It looked like he may have gotten a steal. Well, I don't know. JT Miller this year appears to just be reverting back to some of his old Tampa Bay form, and he's if he doesn't step it up soon, along with a lot of the other top-flight Canucks, the season's over. And Braden Holtby had every right last night to absolutely call him out, and, and and in his politically correct way, he called him out. But that that stare down from him to the bench was epic, and yep. you can tell that, was that he cold. cold eyes, it man. was he is done. And here's what I'm going to go to. The Vancouver Canucks have a minus 11 goal differential this year. Let's not forget they had a three-game stretch against the Ottawa Senators where they had a plus 14 goal differential. So if you take that out, the Canucks are essentially a minus 25 goal differential against every other team other than the Ottawa Senators in the division. The goalies have every right to be furious with the team in front of them.
0: Well, here's a play from that same game, and I just couldn't believe it. Alex Edler is posted up in front of the net, and Tyler Myers is also deep in the corner, leaving Elias Pettersson and another forward to cover the points. Now, I I don't know what has happened to Alex Edler, but his play has fallen off a cliff, caught on fire, and has hit every branch on the way down that's possible. His play has fallen so off and he is looking very bad out there and we're going to get to some of the some of it here but I think there's something up with the team and I don't know what it is but it's uh I'm not I'm concerned but there's still a lot of games to play and anything can happen in a season so I'm they're my team I'm going to keep watching regardless and I'm not gonna hit the abandon button ever on my team
1: there's a four game set coming up next week, Flames versus Canucks. If the Flames take three or four of those games from the Canucks, the Canucks season to me is over. So I think the next the next week is going to say a lot about the Vancouver Canucks and, and what type of season they're going to have. I think even if they split against the Flames, that's not good enough. I think the Canucks need to take three or four from the Calgary Flames to get back into, into the contention. Uh, A topic that I kind of want to discuss, and I don't want to discuss this, but my team, the Calgary Flames, have been linked to this player in some trade talks, and that's Tony D'Angelo. Surely to God, there's no chance the Calgary Flames are going to trade for Tony D'Angelo. But there are some rumors out there, and coming from Herb Brooks in – I think he's with the New York Times or the New York Post. He's a pretty credible source who's pretty much said there's – there's smoke to this fire. And I hope not like D'Angelo is, is just needs to go away. We've talked about this on the last episode. We've talked about this actually on a few episodes. Now, Tony D'Angelo is, does not belong in a national hockey league locker room. You can see the New York Rangers. They were poking fun at the situation earlier this week after a game where they came off the ice and the starting goalie, pretends to turn around and clock the guy behind him. You can tell how much they hated Tony D'Angelo because they're already mocking him. So Brad Treliving, don't even think about it. Like this guy, I know you've got a disgruntled Sam Bennett. No. D'Angelo for Bennett, no. We do not want this guy on our team. He's a tr- he's a disaster. I No.
0: Please no. Yeah, this is a guy who's been given opportunities and second chances at... Every level he's played at. Tony D'Angelo's behavior is something that is just absolutely uncalled for in the world. Forget hockey. Take it out of hockey. His behavior, his actions, his hateful rhetoric is not needed. And this is something that he grew up with because he was suspended in the OHL, I believe it was, for using a racial slur. And he interviewed his father and he said, well, mm-hmm. I'd be suspended too because I use that language. Well, so clearly he's learned it at home. And that's, I mean, why do we keep giving second chances to these people? Like, just because he can play hockey? Who cares? It doesn't mean it's a redeeming factor for being, sorry, I'm going to say it, a shitty person.
1: Oh, easy no,
0: there. There's no need for it. And, and I, I know we usually keep it clean, but that's what he is. Uh, and there's just send him away, send him to Russia Put him in the KHL and forget he ever existed.
1: Put him in the KHL. Well, they'll take anybody. Just ask uh, Bill Peters. He got a job thereafter. And the the Tony D'Angelo talk goes right on the heels of Bill Peters. The Calgary Flames don't need that in their organization again. I was going to ask you, if
0: if you trade for D'Angelo, is that an automatic plane ticket sent to Bill Peters to come back and potentially replace Ward?
1: Well, that's exactly like – We had this drama play out last year that we don't need. We don't need it again. So stay away from Tony D'Angelo. Ken, both our teams have a disgruntled forward on them. Sam Bennett, Jake Bertanen. Would you trade them straight
0: up for each other? And if so, who would win that trade? Uh, It's a toss-up because it depends on what you get. Uh, Jake Bertanen is, I I said it how many episodes ago when we talked Canucks and off-season and things like that. He's the luckiest guy in the league to, to still have gotten a two-year contract this offseason when he probably should have been let go and just let him walk as a UFA. Don't tender him. Let him go and cut your losses. You no, know, instead you give him a two-year deal and he has probably sat 50% of the games. Like he has played so poorly, Louis Erickson made it into the lineup on Saturday night. Like that's rock bottom in my opinion. The guy that you were going to just – let ride the taxi squad for the the entire season comes into a game, demotes Hoglander, who has probably been one of the better Canucks and Erickson's invisible yet. He's no different than Vertanen. Vertanen. I don't know if in that trade, I think they both need different homes. They need to be somewhere else. Uh, I think they've both had similar opportunities to play with good, talented line mates. I don't know. I, I, it could be a win-win. Could be It could be a loss for both. It's a tough one to say. I don't know who would win that deal, honestly.
1: I think it'd be very inconsequential for both teams. Both players in their tenures have been third liners at best, I'm going to say, with flashes of second line capabilities, but flashes is the, the key here. I don't know that the Flames would make this trade in the first place where you're essentially trading a center for a winger. I think the centerman holds a little bit more trade value, but... Let's be honest, neither neither player holds any trade value in, in right now. No. So the Flames already made one trade where they traded problems for problems when they traded James Neal for Milan Lucic. I just don't see them doing it again. Trade them for draft picks or let them ride it out and get claimed in the expansion draft. But both, both players need a change of scenery, but I, I don't think it should be for each other. Uh, Ken, I got a couple more rapid fire questions for you regarding the, the flames and the Canucks. And you, you texted me earlier this week during a game going, well, which coach is trying to get fired first, Travis green or Jeff Ward. So I'm going to throw it out to you right now.
0: Who's on the hotter seat. I would say green. And if you asked me three weeks ago, I would say it was probably undeserved, but I think for him, he uh, he was on a hot seat because he was going in without a contract extension. Final year of his deal. And now it just seems he's lost the team. And I don't understand why. I don't know what's going on if they're that upset with the whole situation with the guys that left. But, I mean, this is business. It's not new to them. Players come and go. It it shouldn't affect a team that much for your morale. I don't don't get it. I think Green is on a hotter seat just with the way the Canucks have been playing and that it seems he's just lost them. And I don't know if that's because he can't do the extra – team meetings, get togethers, things like that, to pull the group together, but it's just not going well. I think Ward has got a little bit of a longer leash than Travis Green does right now.
1: See, yeah, I'm going to go the other way and I'm going to go back to, we had a two for chirping episode a couple of weeks ago where this exact question essentially came up and it was which coaches were on the hottest seat. My very first take was Jeff Ward. And I don't think that's changed. I think when you look on paper, and expectation wise, I think the Calgary Flames are a better team than the Vancouver Canucks. And the Calgary Flames are showing next to the no emotion. They're going stretches of games where they're playing with no heart, no desire. The, the in game matchups where Jeff Ward's continually promoting fourth liners to play alongside Bennett and Goudreau or uh, Monaghan and Goudreau just to me that the, the the coaching has been highly questionable and I'm not normally a blame the coach guy, but I think there's, there's merit here. So I think the expectations were higher in Calgary based on the on paper team. And I think the results have been worse in Calgary than in Vancouver. Everybody who listens to our show knows I didn't pick the Canucks to have a very good season. They're kind of doing what I thought they would. So for that reason, I'm going to go Jeff Ward. I'm going to take this one step further. Who's on the hotter seat, Jim Benning or Brad Tree Living?
0: Uh, well, Benning's seat has always been on fire in Vancouver. Uh, so it's that's a bit of a tough one because he gets no leash from the Vancouver fans for sure. But when you talk to him, when you say the expectations, I don't know. Maybe it is Brad Tree Living that's got a hotter seat than Benning. But the problem with Vancouver is it goes ownership, Benning. There's no buffer in between. There's no president to hold him accountable. So word out of Vancouver was that ownership put restrictions on Benning this year. Maybe they're losing faith. Maybe that's why they couldn't bring some of these guys like Toffoli back in or Stetcher, or things like that. They, it sounds like they had limitations put on them that handcuffed the team. So we'll see. I think they're, to be honest, I think all four are feeling it right now. Yeah, maybe maybe tree tree living not so much as the other three, but I think in my opinion all four are. Yeah,
1: I'm. For anybody that knows me, I'm actually a very big Bradshaw living fan, and I don't blame him a lot for what's happening on the ice. I think he's gone out and made moves trying to make his team better. The lack of emotion, I don't think, is his fault. The coaching decisions are definitely his fault. But there's there's rumors in Calgary that ownership is too cheap to pay for a top flight coach and while we kind of reap what we sow there like the flames have never had a top flight coach and so i think his his Living's hands are a little bit tied there so i'm going to i think benning's on the hotter seat simply because his team was one one goal away essentially from going to the western conference final last year and he's turned them into a bottom feeder in the canadian division and I know there are salary cap restrictions and such, but it was poor cap management in the seasons up to it that led to this. And strictly for letting Jacob Markstrom walk, Benning should be out of a job.
0: Well, one thing that listening to, because I haven't been able to watch a lot of the games on TV, so I've actually been listening to them on the radio. Uh, Corey Hirsch brought up when they were talking playing Montreal about, and he was just pure speculation. We don't know what was said in the room, right? Apparently, you know, they had asked Toffoli to give him like a week or so to try and get moves done to make the cap space to sign him. He didn't, that's his right. We also don't know if Toffoli and his agent walked in and asked for six yeah. and a half million dollars. Yeah. No, there's a lot of speculation and it's all the blame is being put on Benning and I'm not giving him a pass at all, but as fans, as most experts, we don't know what's said in the room. So it's tough to, it just seems management always has the finger pointed at them as being at fault. Right. And, you know, I've talked in the past that when Benning came into the job, he had a bare cupboard for prospects because Gillis had traded away every draft pick and prospect to try and win. Now, I think Benning has done a decent job at filling that prospect pool back up. We've had three of our guys three years in a row be up for the Calder. So one winning two runner ups. That's not bad. Right. It's just building the team around. They had to overpay and he made some bad, bad contracts in that time.
1: So there's an exciting thing coming up this week for you and I Ken, and that is the opening of CFL free agency. You and I both love the Canadian football league and to our viewers, or our listeners next week, we're going to have a CFL heavy show where we talk CFL free agency. I know as you are, Ken, I am so excited about the possibility of getting my beloved league back. And I cannot wait to chat some CFL next week.
0: Yeah. Looking forward to that one for sure. So moving
1: into that soft side brought to you by our partners at Lids Canada, click on the link in our Twitter bio link tree for your exclusive offer of great savings on apparel for your favorite team.
0: Ken, where do you want to start that soft side this week? All right. So this is a bit of a, a story that came out a little while ago it involves uh, former Mets GM, Jared Porter, current suspended Angels pitching coach and former Mets manager under Porter, Mickey Calloway's uh, treatment of women in sports. It's actually it, it's quite disturbing just how they some of the things they did they almost from reading the stories and the, the accounts predatory in sending unsolicited messages and pictures to women in sports media, or with teams in general. And it's just so offside. And what I really what really bothered me about it is when I was reading the story, multiple people had said this was the worst kept secret in baseball. Women in media were warned about Mickey Calloway and Jared Porter and what they did yet they both had jobs. They they would lose a job, they get a job. But Jared Porter isn't working right now, rightfully so. He's under investigation. The Angels have suspended Callaway because he's under investigation for this. But man, this is just so offside. You know, you and I see it on, on Twitter all the time that women in sports just get treated so poorly. And it's disgusting. Like, people get upset with women on hockey Twitter because they post selfies. Like, so, yeah,
1: that was that was a thing yesterday, and it was just like seriously, this is like come on,
0: Are, like, why, we're complaining
1: about this. Come on,
0: yeah, like it, it, it's it's not the what is why is it wrecking your day? Why is someone posting a selfie and they follow hockey and they're a woman wrecking your day? Like grow up, get over yourself. Whatever, it's it's not cool. But just again, this we're talking about Porter and Calloway and using their power in sports over women to just think they can do whatever they want. Uh, I was disgusted. It's offside. These guys should be fired and essentially out of baseball for good. You just
1: said it. You took the words right out of my mouth. I wasn't going to say that's offside. I was going to say that's disgusting. There's no place in sports for this anymore. There, there never was. And but the only positives that I can grow out of this whole situation now is at least this stuff is getting exposed. And as much as it sucks that we have to hear about it and know that women were going through this because it's absolutely filthy and disgusting. I'm glad it's starting to get exposed and let's get some of these dirt bags out of the game, sending texts of you without your clothes on making sexual innuendo jokes. If you want to know what was said, just search it up on Twitter. You can find it. You can see the pictures. It's horrible. I I can't handle this anymore. And, and the stuff, what's worse is if you really want to get into the Twitter end of it, the trolls out there who think this is okay. And then they they absolutely harass the women even further. And we had an episode about Twitter trolls. Get over yourselves. This, it's 2021 for Christ's sakes. This isn't. It's not 1920 where this was okay. This is disgusting. Like, move on. Let's start treating people with respect and dignity because everybody deserves it. So, Porter Callaway, you're not offside. You're disgusting.
0: Yeah, uh, it's just it's not cool. Another one, Trevor, uh, came up just a few days ago. Uh, Britt Reed, outside linebackers coach of the Kansas City Chiefs son of head coach Andy Reid, was in an accident where Sally, a five-year-old, went to hospital with life-threatening uh, injuries, and on scene with the police, Britt Reid admitted to having two to three drinks and being on a prescription for Adderall. Now, what, I, what is really offside about this is the fact that he had two to three drinks while being on Adderall, If you have to say two to three, it's probably more because you can't remember. This is not the first time he's been under investigation for a DUI. Previously, while he was in jail for a road rage incident where he pulled a gun on someone on the side of the road and also uh, drug charges, he went to jail for that. And During that time, he was convicted of his DUI and served a total of six months in prison and got out because he went into a drug program. Why this is offside is because he is still in the NFL. Despite his, what has happened in the past, he clearly hasn't learned from it. He's putting other people at risk and his actions are just completely offside. But what's also offside is how NFL treats these situations. Is Britt Reed still in the NFL because he's Andy Reed's kid and Andy Reid has, has some prestige to his name. Because there's guys who are out of the league for what, marijuana? Come on.
1: Martavis Bryant kicked out of the NFL for marijuana use. Josh Gordon, essentially same thing. Like you got guys being kicked out of the league for marijuana use, but, you know, multiple DUIs, prescription drug problems, essentially almost killing kids is okay. It's awful. This is just awful.
0: He, and he, he pulled a gun on someone else at the side of the road. Like, how many times have players, and, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't face punishment from the league for it, but how many times does a player didn't Brandon Marshall shoot himself in a, in a club one time, and that pretty much ended his career? Not the gunshot, but the fact that he did that? Like, come on. The, these actions are offside by Britt Reid. Absolutely. But I think the NFL's got to get a little consistent in how they handle this
1: to me there's only one thing that needs to be said about this story and and that's my condolences and thoughts and prayers go out to the family of the young girl who's clinging to life. That's that is the story here. I don't even want to talk about Britt Reed because that's the story here and my condolences go out to the family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh it, it was very sad to read and hear about and uh it, Britt Reed will not be at the Super Bowl thank god because he well he's in hospital himself but that was my big worry about because it takes days to get the results back the the police got a roadside uh, blood test from him and they got to wait. so there was possibility he would been off in tampa bay well today because we're recording on sunday super bowl sunday at the game so that would have been worse to see him on the sidelines uh, at that game would have been brutal
1: what do you guys think of this situation? Reach out to us on Twitter at the TheBleacherCon1, at the TheBleacherCon2, or on our Facebook page, the, the Bleacher Connection. So to follow up from last week's episode, Ken and I just want to uh, quickly go back to our goat talk. And by goat talk, we mean greatest of the era as opposed to greatest of all time. We left off last week's episode where both of us agreed that Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, sorry, were the current GOATs. And I'm going to potentially go as far as to say Usain Bolt is the GOAT of all time. Ken, I want to look at some of the actual individual leagues here and who some of the GOATs are. Let's start with, I think, one of the more controversial ones, the NBA.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, the NBA... I, 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 For me, it's Jordan. Jordan's going to be the man. He is the GOAT in that league. You know, people want to say LeBron's been to the finals 10 times. He's only won it, what, three, four times?
1: Yeah.
0: Right? So he's got six losses on there. It's still impressive to get there. But LeBron's also chased it with some super teams and done it differently. I think the Cleveland team, you would say, was probably the one – that he got there with, that wasn't necessarily a super team. Jordan was six for six, right? That stat alone is impressive. And it could have been more if if he stayed in the league because he wasn't done, right? For me, Jordan just hands down is the goat in the NBA at, at any point in time. If you put him in his prime right now, if you put him in his prime right now on a team with like how they're doing it, Oh my God, he he would just destroy the league.
1: Yeah, when you're talking greatest of all time, clearly Michael Jordan. Yeah, six for six. He took a break and came back and won three more titles. Yeah, he wanted to try another sport. He got tired of the the media criticism. He got tired of just being in the limelight. So he decided to step away from the game and come back. And in the three seasons he came back, well. I guess the three and a half seasons, he didn't win it in the first half seasons, but in the three full seasons, when he came back three more championships, like yeah. greatest of all time, not even close. Michael Jordan, if you're not ta- even close.
0: If you're talking greatest of the air and you're talking the two thousands, it's LeBron hands down.
1: I see. I'm going to go a different way with that. I think it's Kobe Bryant. I think, Kobe, yeah. I think you, you hit on a point where LeBron had to do it with some super teams short of short of the one in Cleveland, where let's be honest, he should not have won. And he essentially won the championship himself. All the credit to LeBron James there. But the other ones, he's essentially been on super teams. Kobe Bryant did it with Shaq and essentially nobody else. It was uh, it was a two-man team, and the two of them did it together. And Bryant, I think, was a more dynamic scorer, I think, LeBron's just a physical force. He's kind of what Shaq was in the era where he was literally just a physical force. I think overall skills and better player and more dynamic clearly is Kobe. So to me, greatest of the era is Kobe Bryant.
0: Yeah. You know what? I, I, I can't argue that. And I have to probably change it. Cause the one thing I do find like LeBron is talented, never take any of that away from him, but man, he can sometimes whine about things and the, you know, people giving them the respect, like it's earned. Oh, he just same, went out and played. Yeah. Just play the game, man. And you'll, it, it, no one's saying you're not a good player, but are you better than Jordan? No. Are you better than Kobe? That's a tough one. I I, I think uh, those are three great players and you can have this argument for days. It, it goes on all the time already. So.
1: Okay, so NFL greatest of all time and greatest of the era. I'm pretty sure this one's going to be painful for you, but I think it's the same person. And to me, that's Tom Brady. I think he is the, the greatest of all time and clearly the greatest of the era. Today, he could potentially win his seventh Super Bowl. We've gone into it. 18% of every Super Bowl has had him in it. He's been to essentially 10 straight conference championships. What he's done is unmatched. Patrick Mahomes might be able to through the course of time, but as of right now, and I don't know which way you're leaning, the GOAT and the GOAT, Tom Brady.
0: See, the NFL, I had the hardest time trying to figure it out because you can't be the GOAT in this sport alone. Yes. You, you have to have – Tom Brady, if he did not have quality receivers – and tight ends would not be the goat
1: but has he sort of the one year with randy moss and and some gronkowski well has he ever had top flight
0: receivers uh not really
1: wes welker i guess julian
0: edelman what was the the, uh,
1: edelman and, and welker aren't like when you think of the annals of the nfl you don't go wow edelman and and welker like
0: Oh, but they—they they, Amendola. That's one of the other one I was thinking of too. He yeah, had, Amendola,
1: Just, but Sure. he had
0: good. He had guys that were good. They didn't have to be great. He, he, made, the them ball, great. he made, made them great. He made them great. because Amendola went to Detroit and did nothing.
1: Exactly.
0: Right? So they were good enough. He got them the ball. They got to make those catches. If he has guys that aren't making the catches, dropping the ball, he's this—he's not in the conversation, right? For a receiver. If you're a Calvin Johnson, like look at Calvin Johnson. He was one of their greats. And he, if he didn't have, if he had like a, uh, well, Johnny football, why can't I think of Manzel Manziel. Johnny Manziel. Manziel. <laughs> so if, if Calvin Johnson had a Manziel at quarterback, he is not, no one knows his name, right?
1: Johnny washed up. <laughs>
0: yeah. Johnny never should have probably, but football is a sport where you need a supporting cast to be great. Yes. Right. So is Tom Brady the greatest of this era? Yes. Right. The of the era. Yeah, absolutely. There's no one that's better than Tom Brady since 1999, 2000, whatever, whenever he stepped in there. So I would, yes, Tom Brady's greatest of the era. I think there was a lot of other guys before him that uh, Joe Montana, right? He, that's another name.
1: Doesn't have the rings.
0: No, he doesn't have as many, but I think that he may be playing a more competitive NFL when there was fewer teams, right? Maybe Jerry, Jerry Rice. Like we're, we're talking quarterback only so far, but you got guys like Jerry Rice, uh, Terrell Owens,
1: Emmitt Smith,
0: Emmitt Smith, all these guys, you got so many other positions and where I will say Brady gets a little bit more of the talk is because in the NFL, you're a superstar today and for two seasons, and then you're forgotten about, right? How yeah. many times have we seen a guy come out and go like, holy crap, this guy is so good. He's going to be a superstar. A season and a half later, he's cut because he had three bad games. And then he doesn't ever play again. It's a tough one. Brady probably is the greatest of the era. Greatest of all time. I think there's a couple other names that would be right there with him, like a Montana, a Rice, Emmett Smith, um
1: Barry Sanders Barry
0: Sand yeah there's a lot of guys out there that could be in that conversation Tom Brady will always be in both but I I I don't know I'm gonna say probably Joe Montana okay it's a tough one to agree to
1: disagree on that one and I think we're gonna move on (laughs) I know you're not a Brady guy and I just you're so wrong but I'm not gonna get into it with you uh Major League Baseball I think this one's tough because there's some uh there's some records that may have some asterisks beside them so it's kind of are we or are we not including the drug era here <laughs>
0: we could do both we could do both
1: All uh, right, great sure greatest greatest of the era
0: so of the so if we're talking greatest of the era we're talking 2000s again I, I think Derek Jeter who uh, he's one he's he's won the championships he's he was solid throughout his entire career. You know, when you think shortstop, you think Derek Jeter. I, it's tough again. So many positions, so many uh, players to talk about. Right? You could go position by position and build a greatest of of all time of the era. You could talk about it for days. But one of the best to play the game, I think, in the in the two thousands would be Derek Jeter.
1: Yeah. I I can't go too far away from that. He's a great player. I just, the running numbers, the stats aren't as good as some of the other players. And I'm going to, I'm going to do the twofold. I'm going to go including steroids and not including steroids, not including uh, Mike Trout current still. It, the, yeah. the, the stats are just there. There's he's amazing. It's too bad. The angels have essentially wasted his career. He's, an absolute treat i'm glad i've got to watch him and i just hope towards the end of his career he can win some championships including the steroids it's got to be barry bonds the guy was incredible like the home run record obliterated it the single season home run records the again we know why but if you if you're talking about you know steroids included greatest of the era and possibly of all time barry bonds
0: yeah, I would have gone all-time, probably Hank Aaron.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to go right there, too, all-time. Yeah. There, I there, a,
0: there is I nobody a, else. Yeah, I have a hard time with the steroid guys just because they were only good because they cheated. Sorry, they were great because they cheated. They would have been good, but to be great, they cheated. So I struggle with even – yeah, you could look at McGuire, those guys. Like, it's just so tough because you know they cheated to get that way. Yeah. And – I don't want to reward that.
1: I think one of Maguire's teammates is coming up here later in our show a little shortly. So, Uh, and near and dear to our hearts, NHL. I think there's greatest of all time. There's no question. It's, I'm assuming both of us have Wayne Gretzky. We talked about it on Two for Chirping last week, where he's just the best. Greatest of the era. Where are you going on this, Ken?
0: Oh, I think for an all around type player of the two thousands and I don't know if it'll get me a Russian passport, but Alex Ovechkin. Wow. Nice. Yeah. I, I, you know, when you talk all around player and a guy that just does everything to try and win it's Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby will be right there at at a one B kind of situation, one, a one B, but I'm always going to have a Vegkin ahead of Crosby. That's just my, that's the way I lean. And I'm not taking away from either one of his talent by choosing one over the other. But that's how I, yeah. Uh, grace of the era is Ovi.
1: And I got to go Crosby three cups. He's led Canada to Olympic gold a couple times. I know you're not a big Crosby guy, but let's face it. He has been the best player of the era. He, he doesn't have the gaudy, Numbers like a guy like Connor McDavid is putting up right now, but he's got the hardware to back it up and he's got the championships. Uh, five years from now, it could be Connor McDavid. I just, the guy has to win something. It, there's no him. question. There's no question he's the best player, skilled player right now. He may not be the best overall, he's the best skilled player. And yeah. His running points are there the guy's got to win something to get into this conversation. And he very well could Um, not with me, Koukoskin in between their pipes as we saw last night, but he could creep into this conversation. But for right now, to me, it's Sidney Crosby.
0: And you can't, I mean, you can't go wrong with either one. So
1: no, no. So what do you guys think? Greatest of the era, greatest of all time. Did we miss anybody? Is there somebody that you think should be number one that we that we didn't even talk about? Reach out to us on Twitter at the BleacherCon One at the BleacherCon Two.
0: All right. So now we're going to get into Are You Kidding Me? Trevor, what was something that caught your eye this week? Well, the big fish in the
1: Major League Baseball Free Agency signed this week. And I looked at the contract. Three years, 102 million. Let's be honest here. This is really a two-year, $85 million contract. And he's going to opt out in year three in hopes to get paid again. Are you kidding me? Trevor Bauer is, he's good. And I'll give him that. I don't think people have actually gone and looked at this guy's stats through his career. And he's going to be a $40-plus million dollar athlete this year. His highest win total ever, 17. His highest ERA ever, 6.06. Nope, sorry, 6.39. He's had two seasons over six ERA. He's had one, two, three, four, five, six seasons in his career with an ERA over four. He's only had three seasons with an ERA under three. So... I get he's coming off a dominant season, but over 40 million for a guy who's only ever won 17 games. Now let's be fair. He's going to a very good team and he'll probably win more than that this year, but I could win 10 games pitching for this team. So (laughs) I I'm astounded by this contract. And I was hoping the Jays blue Jays might be in on this guy. Now that I see this contract, Oh man, am I glad they were out.
0: Well, and to add to this, are you kidding me? I read a story on The Athletic that asked, are the Dodgers willing to, why are the Dodgers willing to take on the headache? Because Trevor Bauer has similarities to a uh, former pitcher who's waiting to get into the hall, possibly in year 10, and Kurt Schilling on his social media uh, activities. So he's getting paid a lot of money but he's also has that uh, baggage come with him for how he interacts with people on, on social media. There's been a lot of discussion about that. I, and to be honest, I forgot about it when we talked about him previously, it wasn't until he signed that it, there was the reminder. So there's that part of it too.
1: Five of his 10 seasons, he's had a losing record. Like I, I just, I don't get it. Could he, he he might blow it away with the Dodgers and he's, he had a tremendous season, but he's one year removed from having a 6.39 ERA in Cincinnati. So, and I know there was major injuries, but again, there was major injuries. So I don't know.
0: Was he flying his drone again?
1: Yeah, possibly just chopped off all his fingers, I guess, but this one's got bad news written all over it. And there's no way this gets to that third year. And, to Bauer's credit, if he does have two good years, he may very well parlay this into a five-year contract where he gets multiple seasons above thirty million dollars yeah. and even forty. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on, Ken. We we mentioned Mark McGuire minutes ago. Well, let's. Uh, I think you wanted to talk about one of his uh, old teammates.
0: Yeah, so Jose Canseco, yet again, uh, a couple you know less than two weeks removed from the last time being in the news, had a pay-per-view boxing match on Saturday night against Billy Football from Barstool Sports. Uh, apparently, this came down to because Canseco had issue with Barstool or just Billy Football. So it was a pay-per-view fight. It lasted ten seconds, and it started with Canseco getting fed some shots, and then all of a sudden he takes a knee, fights over because. His shoulder, he injured his shoulder. Well, it turns out he injured his shoulder months ago, didn't say anything, continued with the pay-per-view, which over a 100,000 people paid $20 to see. He got paid a big check. A million dollars. For 10 seconds. That's, wow. Are you kidding me? At least this time he showed up and he didn't send his brother, Ozzy, to take his place like the last time he had a pay-per-view boxing fight. Uh, if you think I'm joking, I'm not. He, he had one previously where he didn't even bother to show up, got paid, but sent his twin brother, Ozzy, to fight for him. Like, are you kidding me, Jose? Just cash this check and stop. Just just stop.
1: Yeah, Rough and Rowdy is a an event put on every year. I think this was the 18th year of it or the 18th uh, time they did it by by the guys at Barstool and where they essentially just bring in guys to fight each other that have some name recognition and have beefs. And I don't know, I would have gone in and taken a few right hands from this guy for 10 seconds to get paid a million dollars. This was such a publicity stunt and money grab by Ken Seiko. I'm all in on this too. Are you kidding me? What a, what a dirt bag. Like stay on Twitter and keep fighting with Kurt Schilling. That's better <laughs> entertainment than this was.
0: At least that's free.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's free. Uh, The next thing I want to get on to, and this actually happened in the Calgary Flames versus Emerson Oilers game last night. And there was was a play where Connor McDavid was flying towards the Flames net and he essentially ended up getting tripped along the way and went barreling in to Jacob Markstrom. Where I take some issue on this, and are you kidding me, was... The the hockey night in Canada panel discussing this at the intermission, where one of the panel members more or less said that McDavid had the right of way and that the the, the defenseman should have yielded to Connor McDavid. Or, but another panel then said, "Well, maybe Connor McDavid should have changed his trajectory so he could have avoided contact." Everybody's talking about conor mcdavid on this play and the calgary flames defenseman stordano Otano. i'm going to take it you know who the real victim of this play was jacob markstrom who got absolutely barreled into because you a have a guy recklessly driving to the net at 36 uh, miles per hour i think they had it last night and you had two defensemen recklessly hit him along the way well Both of those guys, all these guys should be at fault. And Markstrom is the one who was the actual victim of this play as he got barreled into. And I know there was an an incident a couple of years ago that other fans won't forget where Giordano on a similar play knocked McDavid down and he broke his leg in like four different spots. Well, I'm going to put a little onus on McDavid here and go, at what point maybe should you realize driving to the net at full bore on a straight path to the opposing net isn't going to result in this type of play because the the defensemen in the entire Canadian division should not be yielding the right of way. They yeah. should absolutely be making a play on you because that's their job. You're going to get tripped. You're going to get knocked over. You're going to run into the goal. Maybe he needs to rethink driving to the net like that.
0: Yeah, and, and I saw... I watched the game too and I saw it and yeah, I mean like McDavid went down and in because of the the trip and I don't think McDavid's ever been a dirty player or anything like that or would have, he's done that so many times. He probably would have flown right past Markstrom had he not been tripped, but yeah, to say he should have been given the right away. Come on. So you just say, let him go in and score. Yeah, Give exactly. Me a break. Like, are you kidding me? Give me a break. I also looked at it at, are you kidding me was on Twitter afterwards how sorry Trevor but a lot of Flames fans are going on how McDavid deliberately went at Markstrom like that and it's like
1: not a chance
0: if he doesn't get tripped he doesn't hit him like come on he has his skates taken out from him he's he does that how many times in a game throughout a season and doesn't run a goaltender he doesn't have a history of running a goaltender, so I think it, both sides had some sour grapes with that play because Oilers were having flashbacks PTSD yeah. of uh, a couple of years ago, and, and and the Flames fans were looking at it as a targeted attack. Hey, are you kidding me? Come on! In
1: none no of, way was it a targeted attack.
0: None but of us. If can, a guy's certain. if a
1: guy's barreling towards your net and you're not going to touch him either, that's kind of both ways. It's an are you kidding me? And both Absolutely. fan bases. And, and, are you kidding me on the hockey night in Canada panel? Like it was just, it was a hockey play that happened. So yeah. we don't need to dissect it and let's move on.
0: Yeah. All right. And the last one I got, and we'll go through this quick. So we can get to our Padres Dodgers talk is uh mess. Fans are, they're angry. They're angry at the fact that Bauer signed in LA, not with the, the Mets and man, their team is going to suck again. Are you kidding me? The Mets, in my opinion, have done everything the Jays should have done to improve their team. They went out and addressed the holes that they have. They're going to have one of the uh, the better rotations in the NL East, if not the NL. It's going to be hard to top the next two teams we're going to talk about. But, you know, they added Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco, Jared McCann, and those are just a few of them to go along with the stars you already have in DeGrom, Syndergaard, Strowman, and Pete Alonzo, Like, are you kidding me? Guys, give it up. Like, you're starting to sound like Canuck fans a little bit here. You know, no matter what the additions you have, if you don't get that big shiny toy because you're upset you didn't get Springer, Bauer, or Real Muto, oh, well, you got some pretty good players on your team already. Why don't you get behind them and start uh, supporting them?
1: They also made one more addition that's going to make you cringe, but this guy actually had a, an okay year in Tampa Bay last year, and that's former Blue Jay Aaron Lu. I
0: was they, ignoring that one.
1: They, they added a, a lefty specialist to that pen as well who actually had a really good year last year. And as a Blue Jays fan, I, I can't believe I'm actually saying that because the guy was uh, less than stellar for us. Of course he had
0: a great year. He has former in front of Blue Jay.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on this. The Mets have had a, a great off season and the fans bitching and complaining about this. Seriously, get over it. You're, you're still going to contend in the NL East. You're going to contend for an NL title. You got to get pitching staff. And as we just mentioned on the whole contract, are you kind of happy? You don't have that contract on your books? So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So look. Let us know what you think on Twitter at The BleacherCon1, at The BleacherCon2, or our Facebook page, The Bleacher Connection Podcast. This part of our show is uh, brought to you by our partners at Fubo TV. What is Fubo TV? TV brings you 100 plus channels, including NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, ESPN, and more without the hassle of a cable contract. If you don't believe us, head over to our Twitter bios, go on our link trees, click the link, start your seven day trial now.
1: So the last topic we want to talk about, and that's a couple of juggernauts in the national league West, the LA Dodgers and the San Diego Padres both have opened up the purse strings this, this off season, the Dodgers bringing in the aforementioned Trevor Bauer, the Padres bringing in Darvish, Snell, Ken, whose pocketbook is winning the NL West this year?
0: (laughs) It must be nice. Both these teams, I think have obliterated the, uh, Well, they don't have a salary cap. What is that? The the luxury tax? I don't think either one of them cares. They just want that World Series. The Padres have a good team. They're stacked. The Dodgers have had a good team for a while now. And that rotation just got even tougher. They got, what, four or five aces in that lineup now? Yeah. The Dodgers rotation. Clayton Kershaw. Walker Buehler.
1: David Price. Now, remember, David Price is a Dodger. He didn't play last year. Yep. You've now got Trevor Bauer, and in this fifth spot, you potentially have Dustin May or Julio Urias. Urias, young lefty, kind of lit it up last year. There's just not a team that can compete with that rotation. And, And the Padres, they have Darvish, Snell. They've got some good pieces in that rotation, but...
0: Some young ones, too.
1: Some young ones, which are definitely exciting. You know, can uh, can Danielson, Lamet, Joe Musgrove, Chris Paddock continue it on? Perhaps they've definitely got some young guys, but the pitching I'm going to give an edge to the Dodgers because they yeah. have known commodities as opposed to the Padres have good commodities, just a little a little more on the unknown side.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, on when you go to the position players. Again, it's very close. I mean, I think the Padres have got a few uh, pieces in there that are exciting for Nando Tatis Jr. I think that guy's going to be a star for years. Um, I, I, I do want to say, Charlie, I think we need to lobby the league to put the Angels or A's into the NL and or move the, the Padres. Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> or the Yankees. Yeah. Well, I was thinking move the uh, one of those California teams that isn't in the NL. Into the NL, so we can get the Padres or Dodgers into the AL and just have that World Series because I think that's that would be a fantastic World Series to see. Very few, very little chance of rainouts, sun, warm, probably two of the best teams in the league right now. And uh, let the pocketbooks go at it.
1: Yeah, I got the, the Padres, I think their positional players might have a little bit more star power. Like, I just Tatis Jr., I think, is the best player on any of the teams. And just an absolute up and coming superstar. Uh, Manny Machado, it, there were some issues in Baltimore, but I think kind of hiding away out in San Diego. The guy just hits. He rakes. There's I know there's some uh effort issues sometimes with this guy, but he's still a great player. You know, Will Myers is is decent, Tommy Pham, Austin Nola, Eric Hosmer. Like yep. there, there's just there's good players on this Padres team kind of top to bottom.
0: Well, the Dodgers don't have Turner. Well, yeah. We don't know. He's still a free agent. He could come back, but they don't have Jock Peterson anymore. Yeah. But they still got Mookie Betts.
1: Mookie Betts. Yeah, you know what? I said Tatis Jr. is the best. I got I to get retract right there. Mookie Betts is the best player on on any of these teams, followed closely by Tatis Jr. Oh, it's 1A, get, 1B. I can't believe the Red Sox gave up on this guy in the first <laughs> place. Like, what the hell are you thinking?
0: I'm Are you fine. kidding me? I'm fine with it. It helps the Jays.
1: <laughs> I'm happy with it too. But yeah, like you just mentioned, Peterson's gone. Turner's gone. They've still got Bellinger, Seager, Max Muncy, Betts. So they, they're still going to put up some runs, but I they're don't not think hurting they're hurting for talent. Yeah, they're not hurting. Their lineup top to bottom isn't as deep as it was even a year ago. But where I think they're going to have the real benefit over the Padres is they now have that championship pedigree. They know what it takes to win. And they're also adding, well, most likely adding David Price to that rotation this year. And I know his last year in Boston wasn't as solid, but even just a few years ago, David Price was, in my opinion, the best pitcher in the game. Can he even get close to that and be a number five starter on that team? The Padres are good, but to me, it's it's still the Dodgers who are the class of this, of this uh, of the entire league. I'm gonna say it.
0: Well, do the Dodgers look at moving a David Price for another piece that they don't have right now? Does does David Price now become expendable? And you remove an older arm to give your younger arms more of a chance? Let's play GM. If you're the the Toronto Blue Jays GM and the Dodgers call offering david price for say guriel jr we're short on starters do you make that deal
1: i don't make that deal with guriel jr because i don't know that david price actually has that value anymore but if the la dodgers come a calling and i can acquire david price for some decent prospects 100 i'm making that trade um look what he did in his half a year in toronto a few years back he Essentially led us to the playoffs, So we actually probably should have won a World Series. And we not had a massive letdown against the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, and absolutely, I'm bringing this guy in 100. I I fully expect him to get back to what he was a few years ago. His his slider curve is one of the best in the game. So I, I'd love it absolutely.
0: Yeah, but we do know Charlie Montoya would probably pencil him in as the number six starter in a five-game series.
1: Yeah, quite possible.
0: Yeah, Analytics game, right? Got to have a rain out. Now,
1: is there a team in the National League that you think can upset either the Dodgers or the Padres?
0: Well, sure not the Rockies. <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. Um, I don't know. I don't know that there is a team in the NL that can uh, – I mean – the Mets might annoy them, but I don't know that they'll I don't think so. I it's so far in the level of talent from those two teams to everyone else, I don't know that there is.
1: When it comes to postseason baseball, to me, any team that has three quality starters can win a series. And because to be honest, who cares about a four and a five starter when it comes to the playoffs? Chances are you're only going to see the top three starters. So You're going Kershaw, Walker, and Trevor Bauer, most likely, and maybe David Price. You've got Darvish Snell and – sorry, the third guy in San Diego completely drawing a blank right now. You've got the Atlanta Braves have three good starters. You've got the New York Mets have three good starters. Of those teams, I think the Atlanta Braves have the best chance to knock off either the Dodgers or, or the Padres. I just think they have a bit of a home field advantage in that ballpark. It's a monster and they may not have to be as offensively talented because their ballpark isn't going to yield as many runs. So I'm going to go out on a limb right now. And, and you've got me on recording. The Atlanta Braves are going to make it to the world series next year.
0: That's a, that is a bold statement. They got the Cancon, So, uh, but, you know, I wouldn't hate that if that happened.
1: Yeah. Local Calgary boy, Mike Soroka. Who, yeah. I'm not going to lie. He looked very good rocking his Calgary flames, blasty Jersey. <laughs> well,
0: they got Freddie Freeman too. Yeah. Winning, Freddie uh, Freeman and LMVP uh,
1: I think the Braves of any of the teams, and I think they might actually do it. I think the Dodgers are going to have some world series fatigue. And I think the Braves have a lot to prove after getting knocked out or at least So right there, I, I get a, You heard it here first. The Atlanta Braves are going to be in the world series next year.
0: All right, well, let us know what you think. Are the Are the Braves going to knock off the Dodgers and Padres, or is it going to be someone else? Let us know at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2, our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast. I want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. Don't forget, Friday nights, Unhinged sn.airtime.pro, 6 p.m. Eastern, two for chirping can be heard then. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you again in a week. Thanks, everyone.